3: April 22nd, 2021, episode 1003, if I can count correctly. Thank you to that was able to listen to the 1000th episode. And a congratulations to our podfather, who art in Packerland, Andy Herman, for letting us do this and let idiots like me and uh, some very by some very smart gentlemen, which I'll get to you in just a minute, but very much appreciate all of you that have followed along. I am what they call a day oneer, if you will. I've been here since the inception of the podcast and it's a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it every week and I've met some really cool people throughout that. So I just wanted to take a small opportunity to congratulate Andy for putting this team together and anybody who's done a podcast with me over the last three years. uh, Just wanted to thank you guys for giving me that opportunity and having the ability to speak with some of you guys. So two of those guys that I'm with today, uh, first and foremost, the the king of the geek squad, which I'm going to ramp up that nickname here in the next couple of weeks, the great Rob Rieger, Rob, sunny Florida. Don't tell me about how it's not snowing down there. I don't want to hear it.
2: No, nah, it's been raining the last couple of days. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay off and, you know, I'm back home. I've been kind of on location the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm back in, back in my, uh, in, in the house, but, uh, yeah, the king of the geek squad. And I've been trying to lose that for uh, a couple of years now. So thanks. <laughs> I should pre- really appreciate, uh, bringing that back so strong. <laughs>
3: Uh, yes, no problem. I'm happy to do that, and then of course uh, join with me as always. Uh, the The new guy on the block, I suppose. This is his fourth episode with the Pack a Day podcast, and that's Eli Berkovitz. Eli, we in Illinois are dealing with rain and maybe some potential snow, so I'm trying to pray that away as fast as I can.
4: Yeah, I mean we're we're almost in May, and I'm seeing snow, and that's just unacceptable. Like I, I. I I have said, I think on recent podcasts that I'll, I'll always take the cold over the heat, but when it's, when it's, you know, at the end of April and I'm seeing snow, that's when I've had enough. So I'm with you, Jacob, let's get some, let's get some sunny days and
3: uh, get out of this cold weather in Chicago right now. See, I have my, I have my thoughts on that. And what I always say is, and I tell this to mother nature every year and she doesn't listen, but, I say, you know, if you want to have winter, I'm okay with it starting in November, like it usually kind of does. And then I'm okay with it until March 1st. And when March 1st hits, that's the end of it because we are past those winter months. And this year I shouldn't be too upset because really we had a relatively mild winter, all things considered. And it's warmed up pretty quickly. We've already had days in the mid seventies. And I think next Tuesday it's supposed to hit 80. Around here, but you guys aren't here to hear listen to us talk about the weather. If you want to listen to people get weather forecasts wrong, check out any local news station in your greater area. We're here to talk about linebackers, a position that the Packers have needed since I don't know 1967, when Ray Nitschke was roaming the middle of the field, something like that. I'm pretty sure is the case. But a hot button issue. We did have the opportunity to kind of preview uh, Michael Parsons, Zayvon Collins, and JOK of Notre Dame. And the ability to talk about those guys in some previous episodes, and be sure to check those out if you have not already. But I want to start there, guys, because my first question to you, Rob, is: Is there a linebacker? Those are the three consensus guys that I just kind of mentioned that you would take in the first round.
2: There, there's actually three that I take in the first round personally, but you know, the, the one thing that I think that we have to that we have to consider is the fact that, uh, like how much of a need uh, linebacker is for the Packers. And that's something that I wrestle with. You know, I've been stumping for us to get kind of that sideline, the sideline guy for years, a uh, guy that you, that can play all three downs that you don't have to take off the field. That doesn't only just play in base packages. And that's one of the areas where I struggle with, because it seems like I feel like it's much more of a need than the brass does in, in green Bay. And <laughs> You know, it's it's something that I get in arguments with people about. It's uh, you know, like how often are we going to have these guys on the field? Is it that, or is it just that we haven't had the right people in place? And if we did have the right people in place, that we would be we'd be u- utilizing them a lot more. And you know, that's kind of that kind of where my head is is that if we had the right guy in place, then we wouldn't have to do so much sub packages. We could stay in our base defense a little bit more and have a guy that can maybe cover a tight end, cover backs out of the backfield. And so there's, you know, the three top guys for me, and we talked about two of them, so I'm not going to spend too much time on them, is, is Michael Parsons and Zavin Collins. And then we also talked about JOK, uh, Jeremiah Awusu, Koromora, uh, the week before that. So, you know, we've kind of, you know, covered these guys. And, and I think that all three of them would qualify for players that that could fit into the Packers' scheme. And that could stay on the field and really make an impact for our team. So, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, that's kind of what, what, you know, we have to figure out is, is this a need for the team or is it a position that we're, that, that, that is a priority for the team? Cause it, it sure doesn't seem like it is. Um, we don't typically draft linebackers very high. We, we take athletes and we try to plug them into linebacker. Um, we use like fifth round picks on guys or undrafted free agents. And, and we throw them in there and it seems to work. You know, we've, been fairly successful, in you know, uh, as a team. So I, I, I don't know. I'd like to hear, you know, Eli, your thoughts on this. As far as first of all, you know, what what the need is on the team for this position.
4: Yeah. So I, am actually with you, Rob, on that. That I know a huge portion of Packers Twitter and just the general it seems that the Packers front office themselves they don't value the inside linebacker position all that highly. But I personally do. I mean, it's a position on the field for a reason. There's no reason not to value it. If you have someone good enough, they would be playing a huge percentage of snaps. The only reason they're constantly going into sub packages is because they don't have a player good enough, a middle linebacker, to be on the field for three downs. And going and saying, you know what, we'll throw Will Redmond out there, that's not an answer. And, yeah, Raven Green was able to fill that role, but we've seen two years in a row we got hurt. Right now he's not even on the roster, so who knows if we'll even see him again. And I'll just say again, they may have re-signed Will Redman, but he is not an answer as a sub-package kind of linebacker. So, for me, the need is there. Last year I pounded the table for – Kenneth Murray and for uh, Patrick had the chance to take Queen, obviously they, they they didn't take Queen. So Rob, like you said, you got, you have to look at that and say, well, you had your chance at to some people, the consensus number one linebacker in the draft falling all the way down into the late twenties and they didn't take him. And instead they took a, you know, back a backup quarterback. So that, that does say something, I think about the way the team looks at the linebacker position, but for me, I mean, why don't they look at some of the competition they've faced and notice what their linebackers have done? Obviously, Tampa Bay with, with Devin White and uh, and uh, Levante, Levante David. David. And then you look at the the Forty Nine ers have been a great middle linebackers in the past. The Falcons who have given us problems. We spoke before the show, uh, me and Jacob, with with Dion Jones, guys like that. Even, Bobby even, Wagner,
2: like you, you can go on and on and yeah, on. Exactly. That, you know?
4: The Seahawks, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright there are teams that have constantly not only just had good linebackers and been successful with them, specifically NFC teams that have been real problems for the Packers, and even including the Bears. When you look at uh, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, all these teams have not only one but maybe even two quality, quality inside linebackers, and that takes a lot of pressure off the defensive coordinator and deciding what kind of package a sub package a regular three four all the movement all the shifting if you have someone that you can rely on for three downs every single drive you know he's going to be on the field regardless of what the offense should be doing that for me has a lot of value again the team might not see it that way but i see it that way it sounds like rob sees it that way and like you said I would have absolutely no problem. I would be extremely happy, I should say, if anyone of Micah Parsons, Zayvon Collins, or JOK ended up being the Packers pick, whether it's at 29 or they traded up to some now, extent.
2: Yeah, let, let me uh, – so, so there is some hope, though, Eli, so don't uh, jump off the cliff yet. Um, we did hire a, a linebacker coach to be our defensive coordinator uh, and a guy who – is kind of a self-professed, even though I believe they've never coached together, but um, he's a disciple of the Vic Fangio defense. And if you look at historically, you know, Fangio defense and even the Rams um, defense over the last couple of years, you know, they do keep their linebackers on the field. They seem to be very small on the smaller side, very rangy. Um, you know, you had mentioned that the Bears defense from from 2018 was, you know, kind of Fangio's, it was, it was the job that he did to get him a head job with Denver when they had Smith. Uh, and they had uh, Trevathan, and they stayed on the field all the time. Like they weren't subbing in and out, they weren't putting safeties. And I was looking at some snap counts from that defense, and they played the vast majority on the field, so they weren't uh, being subbed out. They're covering backs, they're covering tight ends. In some cases, they're even covering slot receivers, and in, in, in some cases, uh, because they feel comfortable doing that. And I don't see any of that on the Packers roster now. So, um, so those three guys, if the Packers were able to be in a position to get those three. I would do it. I was curious what you thought about Davis out of Kentucky because he's been getting a lot of – and we'll talk about some of the other guys in round two because I think that that needs to be our focus because I don't know if those other guys are going to be there. But but Davis is an interesting guy out of Kentucky. Uh, he's 6'3", 234. Uh, he wowed people with his four four seven forty, 40 uh, he's way at the top of his RAS score. I think he's in the, in the nines uh, in his RAS score. And he had a very productive season at, at Kentucky this past year, but it was just basically one season of, of high production. I was curious, you know, did you get a chance? Have you taken, taken a, a look at him? Because he might he, – he's starting to grow on me a little bit.
4: Yeah, I've watched him, and I do like him. Um, I, I look at him as maybe a little bit – Not like slow, but not as twitchy as some of the other guys we're talking about, that just quick jump through the gap and maybe get a two-yard loss. But I think he's very, very solid. And, yeah, most of his production came in his final year, but he's still still been a solid player throughout most of his career, 6'4", 230, good size. And, yeah, as a day-two prospect, like you said, if those first three guys are gone, I think he could definitely be someone they look at. Somewhere on day two, second or third round, and I like him. He seems like someone who, most important, like he embodies like that middle linebacker role, where it's yeah. might not be the flashiest guy in the world, but he's smart. He'll be able to communicate well with the defenders around him and kind of lead the defense. And that's something they need. I know they have Darius and Jair, and you have great personalities, mm-hmm. but generally the leader of your defense kind of comes from the middle, your middle linebacker. He's the quarterback of your defense. And I look at J- Jamin Davis as a guy that, that kind of embodies that role. He may not be the flashiest guy around, but he doesn't miss tackles. He's going to, he's going to wrap up, bring you down. So I like that call on Davis. I think he yeah, could be his, a good day two option.
2: His, his speed surprised me. So, so when I saw that four, four, seven, it, it really opened my eyes. Um, I had seen him on tape and I did like him, but I kind of noticed that same thing. Um, and I guess, to I guess to recap, you know, I know that we glossed over these guys. I don't know if everybody listens every day. Hopefully you, you guys are all listening every day, but with Collins, I think we both agree that he has some of the best instincts that we've seen out of the, at least out of, from, from the college perspective uh coming out uh michael parsons in, in i think both of our opinions is a guy who athletically um is one of the top guys that we've seen and he'll probably be drafted pretty high because of that and if you were to i believe it was jacob that pointed out last time that if he's available at 29 it's probably because there's some off field issue or some there's some reason why he's he's dropping uh and that from a talent standpoint he's like a top you know 10 to 15 pick and then with jok you know the
0: biggest we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: issue with him is that we don't know whether he's going to be a safety or he's going to be a a linebacker. I personally see him more as a linebacker, uh, but he played that outside linebacker position at Notre Dame and he's another guy with explosive skills. So if he were to drop somehow to 29, you know, I see a little bit of that Corey Littleton out of, out of J.O.K., and I know I'm I'm rambling and taking a couple different directions here, but I, I think that it's important that we kind of summarize those three guys and and with JOK especially, uh, I looked at that Rams defense that that Barry coached and and Corey Littleton was a was a huge contributor to that defense before he went off to Las Vegas and he kind of got lost in the shuffle there. But, you know, J.O.K. reminds me a little bit, kind of an undersized guy, um, very, very athletic, uh, very powerful. He explodes, uh, you know, on tackles and so on and so forth and uh, has that range that, that we could definitely use in our defense.
5: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits.
3: Absolutely agreed. And, you know, going through a lot there to unpack a couple things that I will throw out there as far as whether or not the Packers view it as a need. I understand, you know, they haven't picked one high. I mean, the highest draft pick they've spent on a linebacker in recent years was Orrin Burks, which was a top 100 pick. Say what you will about the pick, but that did happen. Uh, The other thing to think about here is, you know, I know Eli mentioned a lot of those teams, the only first round pick. Of that group, well, you got into Roquan Smith. But if we're talking just Seattle and San Francisco and and Tampa Bay, the only first round pick in that group is, is Devin White. So that's kind of where my thoughts on that linebacker position goes. If you can get a stud, get a stud. Otherwise, I think they should be taking shots like that on guys in the, you know the second, the third, the fourth round. But I don't think you need to find your guy in the first round. And the other things that we do know is one, the Packers were very high on Devin Bush. They never had a chance to draft him because he got drafted. Well, they could have traded up for him, but they had a chance to draft him. Yeah, they would have had to trade up to draft him. The Steelers clearly wanted him. That's why they moved from 20 to 10 to get him. If he were available along with Rashawn Gary, I think that would have been interesting uh, just to see what direction they would have gone. And last year, I mean, they did interview with with those linebackers, with Murray and with Queen. They just found a quarterback that they really liked. So that's the route they went there. One thing that I did find interesting from earlier this offseason – was Brian Gutekunst saying that they needed more production from those linebackers. So it's not like he just came out and said, yeah, we're good with Kamal and, and Chris, and we hope those guys jump out. You know, they, he basically said, no, we need more from that spot. So I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to be looking at that position in the first round, but I do think it's a position that they may try to address if the board falls a certain way. Now you guys are going to jump in. I did, you know, I've, I've made that case about Michael Parsons several times, so I'm not going to rehash that, but yeah, if he's available at 29, you don't want him. Zayvon Collins, to me, I think there's going to be a team that tries to play with him. We talked about this before the show. He weighed in at 270 pounds. That's two pounds lighter than Rashawn Gary is. I think some teams going to try and find a way to use him either as an edge linebacker or in a linebacker spot similar to the one that Von Miller played in Denver. My, my big worries, and maybe this is PTSD from Dayton Jones and Nick Perry, and just Perry wasn't as bad as people think he was, but that's okay. Just trying to fit those square pegs into round holes, and that's my concern with, with Collins, and that's my concern with Owosu Koromoa. And and not only that, but when it comes to studs, Devin White, Devin Bush, players like that. I just I don't think those guys are that, and that's the position I'm taking when because if you really do look at it, I value positional versatility or excuse me, positional value, but not to the point where you know, Twitter does like for me, for example, I like if Josiah DeGuara is good, does anybody care that he was an H back taken in the third round? Probably not. Like that's kind of where I draw the line on stuff like that. Like you care if he's a good player or not, that's ultimately what, what matters most of the time. That being said, when you're looking in the first round, you also want to look at how these guys can impact your team. So the way the Packers have done it have been quarterbacks, line of scrimmage defenders, pass defenders and pass blockers. And I think that's where the Packers can get the most bang for their buck, so to speak. Now, it does depend on how that board falls, and it's hard to say. But for me to take one of those linebackers in the first round, I'm talking just about any player that you're thinking of right now would probably have to be off the board for for me to go that route. But let's get into day two, because you guys mentioned Jammin Davis, and he's somebody I've seen some buzz for potentially day one. That's too rich for me. But day two is a place that I would certainly look into that. And then the other one is Jabril Cox. Eli, we were talking about him pre-show. So go ahead and let's chat about Jabril Cox from LSU, previously of North Dakota State.
4: Yeah, so Cox transferred from North Dakota State to LSU. So just looking at his LSU stats in, in 10 games, he had 58 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, a sack, three interceptions, five passes defended, and a touchdown. I look at him... As as kind of like that perfect hybrid linebacker, hybrid safety linebacker that the Packers have been looking for. He comes in at six three, uh, sorry 6'4", 230. He he's rangy, kind of has long arms, and is someone that he I, I don't know if there's anyone I watched that made more like shoestring tackles than Javril. Like it seems like if he gets his hands on you, you're going down. Even if it's at 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 the edge of your foot, he's bringing you down to the ground. He, he impressed me a ton with his tackling ability and he's good in coverage. Again, his size, his speed that lends to being able to cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. He didn't end up running his 40 at his pro day. I think he had some tightness in, in his, in his quad or his hamstring. So the 40 time I didn't see, but he, when he's on the field, he looks like he plays pretty fast. He hits the gap hard and He's someone that, again, if those three guys are gone on day one or if they decide to go in a different way with maybe more positional value, like Jacob mentioned, I think Jabril Cox would be a great pick day two as early as their second pick. um, I'm pretty high on, on Jabril Cox. I think he could be a good player in the NFL.
2: Yeah. He's a guy that I I can tell you right now that he's smooth and he's a tackling machine too. When, you know, even at North Dakota state, it might not be the highest of competitions, but he stepped right into that role at LSU and was actually a team captain on on defense, which is uh, to me a big deal because, you know, that he came in right away and showed leadership and, and was able to kind of win over that defense. The team wasn't great, but if you looked at them towards the end of the season, they did get a lot better towards the end. They had a, a couple opt outs. They had a couple guys mid season opt outs, uh, but he stuck with it and he, and he, and he played the season and, uh, you know, he was a big part of that win against Florida. So I mean they had they had some really strong games. Uh, I, li- I like him a lot too. I think he's also one of those like instinctual guys. Uh, he's a guy that you can move around. He can play the middle, he can play the outside. He can rush um, you know from the from the edge. Uh, and that's that's kind of you know what I like about him specifically is that he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he has good instincts and he's just a guy that um, in, in my opinion, would be a great pick on defense and and it's kind of what I really like about this class when I look at the linebackers because you don't need and there's some positions and even some years where you kind of need to reach in that first round for a guy that's going to make an impact but I see several players in this linebacker uh, group here that I feel that we can draft in round two or even round three and they can step in as instant starters for our team. And, you know, guys that have a lot of production in college are great athletes and and they're guys that the Packers, they'd fit right in with the kind of defense that the Packers are running. So, I mean, I know that he's one. You know, I also, you know, there's a couple other guys I want to talk about, uh, like a Baron Browning, uh, which is a guy who I feel like his best days of football are ahead of him and not behind him. He's a guy that didn't have great production at Ohio State, but it almost seemed like when he did make plays, uh, there are big plays, and and he was able to kind of Dominate and are and and it's like almost like you need a coach to kind of get into his head and to really coach him up. Not that he had bad coaching at Ohio State, obviously, but you know he's a guy that I just think everything else. (laughs) You know, is but I just I feel like him. You know, he's a guy who once again, you know, sensational athlete. And, uh, you know, Cox, Brown, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this list. Monty Rice from Georgia. There's there's solid, solid guys. Nick Bolton, I know Eli wants to talk about him. Um, Davis, I mean, these guys are guys that will be here in probably the, the second, third round. And and I feel like all of them could make it uh, an impact on our team, at least early on. So I, I was curious what you guys thought. I know I threw out about five names there. Um, and I have a couple sleepers, too, in that position, this position. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, day two might be a lot of people are talking about like day three being that sweet spot for the defensive line class. I know Brennan Rupp, the lead draft writer over at Game On Wisconsin, which is an awesome website that you guys should check out. He's very big on the day three defensive linemen like that and thinks you could grab guys in the fourth round, you know, fifth round, and and not necessarily that they're going to become stars, but just contributors. Day two might be the sweet spot for that linebacker spot because we talked about this before the show. I think I like Chris Barnes and I think I like Kamal. You know, my thing about Kamal Martin that makes me chuckle is one of my favorite things about Twitter is the stats without context thing. And people talk about how, oh, pro football focus, they've got Kamal Martin graded as the highest of linebacker of all the rookies that came out this year. It's like, well, yeah, he also played 200 snaps. So less time on the field means less time for them to expose you for what you're not necessarily good at. Now that's not to say, Martin can't be a good player because I think he can. It's just the question of what if those guys have a a sophomore slump, so to speak? What if they flop during their second season? What if Martin gets injured again? I mean, you're a rolled ankle away from right now starting Ty Summers. I know a lot of people beg on Christian Kirksey for not being what they, what they hoped he would be last year, but he was relatively solid as the second linebacker that will linebacker next to Chris Barnes after they moved him. So, I say all that to say you talk about some of these dudes. Browning, he went to a crappy school, but he's a really good player. I think that's certainly something that you can can think about there. Uh, you talked about Jamon Davis. You talked about Jabril Cox. I mean, I think all of those guys could be day two picks that could step in and even – Potentially impact, start.
2: impact, impact starters like I, I'm talking about guys that that you know when I'm watching their film you know they, they they're productive they're good they're great athletes in general they're big yeah a lot of a lot of these guys are taller than than in most years you know you're seeing guys that you know six three six two a lot of times the the inside linebacker position are, are kind of short stocky guys but these guys you know are tall they're rangy they can and they they certainly can play the game I'm looking you know six four six three six three six two mm-hmm. six two, six, two, like just going down the list and you're seeing these guys, um, and a decent size and, and some really strong 40 times athletic scores, everything. So, um, I, I know that you wanted to talk about Nick Bolton, Eli, he's, a, he's yeah. a guy that you like a lot. So let's, why don't we talk about him a little bit and I kind of want curious to hear what you have to say.
4: Yeah. So I look at Bolton, um, similar, similar to, to, to David, to Damon Davis, but I think he's actually a little bit better. Um, the one thing that concerns me and not so much based on just the concern, but more if, if the Packers would draft him, is the fact that he had a 5.04 RAS score. Although that Goody likes guys being above eight. That's kind of been his M.O., but let's look past that for right now. Bolton, I mean, he's just someone that kind of like uh, you mentioned with, uh, I believe it was Collins, just very instinctual, hard hitter, good in coverage, when he when he's tackling, he wraps up, brings you to the ground. There's no like he's rarely going to get pushed for those extra two three yards. It seems like he's always the one pushing the guys back, which I like to see just that aggressive style from an inside linebacker. And then his his numbers are are phenomenal. I mean, in 32 games, 220 tackles, 17 and a half tackles for loss. And if you look at PFF, Pro Football Focus, I mean, he had 44 stops in 2020. Which was third in the nation. And a stop might not necessarily mean a loss, but basically a, a play that does not gain the offense maybe more than a yard or two. But he's constantly making plays at the line of scrimmage, four sacks, two interceptions, and then twelve pass defended kind of stuck out to me. Like he's he's really good in coverage. He's a good tackler. He will he will find the gap and He's not necessarily Micah Parsons where he's going to burst through the offensive line and destroy you four yards behind the line of scrimmage, but he's definitely no Blake Martinez where you're going to get three, four yards past the line of scrimmage and meet him. I see him somewhere in the middle, just an impact player who who can make plays at the line of scrimmage. He's not going to be a day one pick, but that's why we're talking about day two guys right now, and I think he could be a really solid option in the second
2: or third round. Well, the other thing that to bring up about like the linebacker position is that there are certain positions, you know, and, and Jacob had brought up some stuff about, um, you know, different positional uh, priorities and, and things like that. But linebacker is one of those positions where, you know, I think at least that athletic score doesn't tell the whole story. And that, you know, being able to be in the right place at the right time, be able to read a play correctly, to, to be able to take, you know, no no missteps steps and, and take some steps, you know, a couple of these guys – you know, without these instincts. So they're great athletes, but, you know, maybe they'll take some false steps and put them behind. Maybe they'll misread a play. Maybe they'll misread a guard pulling, uh, misread a play action and just get caught out of position. And, you know, that's, that's basically Oren Burks's entire career with this sensational athlete who doesn't seem to be able to be in the right place at the right time ever. Um, and he's just, all just running around the field. Whereas a lot of the, at the inside linebacker position, I feel like sometimes we fall in love with these athletic scores, and, and especially 40 times. And I just don't see that as being a vital um, – and I was looking at – before before this show, I was looking at a couple of the, the all-time best linebackers of all time, and they're all running close to 4.6 in the 40s coming out. Uh, Ray Lewis, I think he was a 4.58. An Erlacher was, I believe, 4.58 or 4.59. Um, a lot of these – I'm talking like all-time great players – and, you know, they're uh, Keekly, uh, Luke Keekly uh, was a guy that was like 4.9 in the 40. So, so they, these guys weren't burners. These guys weren't running four fours, uh, but they're but they're smart and they're instinctual and they make the right reads on plays and, and they get the guys down. I think you mentioned that a couple times, Eli, is a lot of these guys, when they hit you, you stop and you, you don't go forward for two, three yards. And, and that's a big deal. If you hit a guy and they push you forward for three yards and you end up with the first down, yes, you'll get a tackle on the stat sheet. But it's not really going to be what we're what we're looking for because they're moving the chains and they're moving forward. Whereas, you know, a couple of these guys, Bolton being one of them, you know, he seems like a guy that gets you down. Like you don't really get too many yards after after contact with him. Um, and also uh, Cox is kind of that same way where he gets you down and you're not pushing him around. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, those are my two cents on, on inside linebackers in general. So you can't yeah. fall in love with the the athletic scores too much in there.
4: No, I agree when it comes to middle line, I mean, they're middle linebackers. They're not receivers or, or safeties that a 40-yard dash is rarely going to really show a depiction of what a linebacker can be. You're you, We're really looking for quick bursts more in that 5- to 10-yard range where if you're lined up 7 yards behind the line of scrimmage, you can make that burst and have the instincts and just the knowledge to get to the gap you need to be in to stop the run or if you're on a blitz. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you have if you have a high 40 time as a middle linebacker, that's not going to concern me all too much as long as you're able to get those quick spurts of speed when you need them to get to the edge, to get to the gap, whatever it is, and that's that's what I see out of guys like Bolton and Cox.
3: And you Where? get, for starters, Rob, your review of athlete versus instincts and stuff, that sounded very much like a scathing review of Oren Burks. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> But I'm with you. You know, the other thing we haven't mentioned, and this is something you can't really measure, but you can only see it on tape, and that's toughness. And I think that, you know, the Packers have been making a conscious effort to add toughness to their team. And you look at, I'm not saying that they had soft guys before that, but maybe not the the overly tough guy, if if that makes any sense. You know, Zedarius Smith has that toughness. Preston Smith even to some degree has that. Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, even Christian Kirksey was kind of that way. Uh, Adrian Amos adds toughness to the team. And I think the Packers have made A.J. Dillon. We're not talking about Mm -hmm. running backs, obviously. But A.J. Dillon, if you want to look at, like, the pick for how the Packers and Gutekunst and LaFleur view this team and what they want it to look like, A.J. Dillon is like an epitome of that. And trying to build that.
4: Same about DeGuar. I mean, right after, you know, picking another (laughs) physical big guy to play Maybe a position people didn't say was a huge need, but to add that toughness to the offense.
2: That's also why I really like Zavin Collins, you know, because he's the kind of that tone setter player that you know we are kind of lacking. You know, I actually, it wasn't even Oren Burks I was thinking about; it was more Brad Jones. Remember, oh, remember yeah, no, Don't I actually, one Brad, of my, it, that, that, that was, that was the, that was the inspiration behind my rant.
3: I have a fun story was... about that. One of my best friends, his name is Brad Jones and sure. doesn't look anything like Brad Jones, the linebacker, but he was at, I believe at the time it was Donald driver's uh, charity softball game. And he yells at him and says, Brad Jones. My name is Brad Jones. The dude looks at him like, no way. He says, no, I'll show you. He signed his driver's license. (laughs) So my friend Brad Jones has an autographed driver's license of former Packers legend, Brad Jones. Yeah.
4: Uh, Your friend, but his driver's license just became less valuable than it currently was. Probably.
3: (laughs) Uh, I, Yeah. We don't need to go into Brad Jones. I've yelled and cursed at him enough Uh, throughout the course of of, of my lifetime. A painful player to watch. Yeah, continue. It was. Rob, uh, you know, that was the point I was going to try and get at to wonder. I was wondering if Green Bay does like Zayvon Collins because of that toughness factor. And I think that's something the Packers just not – I mean, I was getting to the point with A.J. Dillon. Eli brought up Josiah DeGuara. Why do they love Alan Lazard? Tough guy. MBS, even to some degree is kind of – they just – they don't have as many finesse players – as they And there's nothing wrong with being a finesse team. The Kansas City Chiefs are a finesse team. They've played in two straight Super Bowls and are very, very good. But that's not that's not the way the Packers are trying to build their team. So I do wonder if that's something they're liking to do. We're running longer than we normally do. So let's get into some of our sleepers here. Uh, I don't know if this guy qualifies as a sleeper, but we've talked enough about Buckeyes. So I'm going to get a, a, a different school in here. Cameron McGrone is somebody that has... Sorry, I don't have a better way to say this, but he's grown on me. And he's somebody who he took over in the middle of that defense for Devin Bush. And you guys know who Devin Bush is at this point. And as good as you think Devin Bush is in the pros, it was like that on steroids in college. It was just SEC speed in the middle of a Big Ten defense. And it was fun to watch. McGrone came in. There was a difference. But there are plays of him against Alabama running stride for stride with some of those receivers. He has that toughness in the middle of that defense. He does have some things to work on because he was only a two-year starter and missed some of last season. And last season was kind of shortened anyways, but he missed some of those games with an injury. But he's somebody I think, again, I don't know about an impact starter on his first day, but I'm telling you he would make impact on special teams right away, which is something we never talk about when we start talking about draft prospects. But if anybody watched the Packers special teams unit, changing just the coordinator is not going to fix what was going on this past season. I really like him as a fourth, fifth round type of guy that, if you miss out on some of these dudes that we talked about in the first couple of rounds, you know that 135, 142, mm-hmm. if he falls all the way to 173, that's kind of the range where you can take a shot on a guy like that. And hope he turns into a contributor for you. Eli, what's your you're talking about a basketball player here? So <laughs>
4: go on. Yeah. My sleeper could basically be a center for the Chicago Bulls right now. That's Charles Snowden, who is six seven, two forty. I mean, I don't know the last time I saw a non-offensive lineman, or probably that's it in the NFL that was six seven. And the, the guy is like a tree. And I just think he would be a great person to look at. You could look at him at the end of day two. He might even be there, you know, day three um, in 44 games. So, well, first off, he has good speed, four, five, one. Again, but for that size at six, seven to move that quickly is just, I mean, he really kind of looks like a safety, but a safety that was doubled in size because his safeties don't usually get up to six, seven. So I look at him as the perfect. Hybrid linebacker safety guy that we keep talking about. That's similar to what I mentioned about Jabril Cox. He is someone that I think can cover phenomenally and as well as tackle, blitz the quarterback um, throughout his career 191 tackles, 30 and a half tackles for loss, 15 sacks, two interceptions, 15 pass breakups. Again, for me, what I want out of my middle linebacker that's going to separate them from a Blake Martinez is that you could actually cover, is that you're going to go and cover a tight end or running back coming out of the backfield. And I think this, I mean, a quarterback is not going to be able to get the ball to his tight end down the seam over a six, seven linebacker, hybrid linebacker, safety, whatever you want to call him. You're trying to throw a screen and this guy's coming at you. Try throwing the ball over someone who's six, seven leaping in the air with his arms up. That's like 12 feet tall. It's not going to work. So I just think his size kind of sets him apart from so much of what you see. I think he could be just a major nuisance for any quarterback trying to throw the ball over the middle because he has long arms, he's tall, and I mean you gotta be really precise when you're throwing the ball near him, or he's gonna get a hand on it just because he's that big. He's just he's big, he's fast, and I'm excited about him as a late round, as a late round flyer.
2: I, I like, I like Snowden, man. That's a good call. Um, I have two of them. So one guy is not that well-known and one guy is very well-known, but he's not getting any love. So, you know, I'm seeing this guy in the, in the fifth round in some mocks, but Dylan Moses from Alabama It's a guy that when he was coming out of high school, he was a grown man and he uh, was an elite player. I believe his second or third, uh, you know, he's a five-star second or third recruit in the country uh, he got hurt. Uh, he tore his knee in, in 2019, and he did look slower last year. It, he And not everybody bounces back. Not everybody can come back like Adrian Peterson eight months and, you know, lead the league in rushing. You know, some guys take a little bit longer to recover. So he would be that guy that maybe lacks the explosion on the film from 2020 but, you know, with some healing and with the training staff, he could get rid of maybe some of that pain, maybe do a little cleanup procedure to get out there. But when he's on the field, he's an impact player. He played in the 3-4 defense. He played for Saban. He's you know kind of along that lineage at Alabama of, the, of those middle linebackers that, that can move and they can tackle. And if he's available, man, fourth, fifth round, he I'd be pouncing all over him just on the potential that he could bring to the table. Uh, and the second guy is Nick Neiman from – From Iowa. He's a guy that I've kind of had my eye on. Um, He's not as well known as Moses, obviously, or some of those other guys, but he's also a guy that. I don't want to compare him to Summers, okay? But he kinda of has that feel to him. Um, but like a good a, a little bit better Ty Summers, okay? Um that that maybe we could get later on in the in the draft that'd be a really good tackle, special teams contributor and could possibly develop into into a solid starter in the league. Uh he's you know, a good tackler and, and, and a fast guy
3: as well. And you wanna talk about toughness coming from Iowa, you know, say what you will about that Hawkeye program and Kirk Ferentz, but those guys are always producing Tough guys and honestly the Packers have had some really good success with that that Iowa tree coming to Green Bay. Brian Balaga obviously comes to mind and so does Micah Hyde among among some others. So Eli, who's somebody well you've gotten your sleeper, is there anything else that we want to we want to get to here uh, before we close?
4: Maybe just one name to keep an eye on would be Chaz Surratt. he's um, he, he kind of stuck out to me a little bit on film. Uh, some good numbers 207 tackles throughout his career, 22.5 and a half for loss, 12 and a half sacks. He's also decent in coverage with two interceptions and five pass breakups. He's not someone that I like as much as the other guys that I've brought up today. But if the Packers are still looking for that guy in the mid rounds, I think Serrat could be someone that they target.
2: Yeah, that's a good call. And he, I thought, I thought maybe, uh, when you're talking basketball players, I guess he, uh, had a scholarship offer, a preferred walk on in North Carolina uh, to, yeah. play bas- to play basketball too, and as well as football.
4: I think he and something interesting about Sarad is that he actually played quarterback. I believe both in high school yeah. and maybe even and in college. college. And college, yeah. So he has that quarterback mindset, which, as I mentioned, for a middle linebacker, you want that number one as a leader. Number two, you kind of you know if you're if you played quarterback, you can look at a quarterback and maybe get some just knowledge off that and read the quarterback better being a former quarterback in the middle right. of the defense.
2: I'm going to throw out Monty rice as a guy also to keep an eye on. He's a guy that a uh, three year starter for Georgia in the middle. And yeah, obviously he's had some good coaching. He's played some solid competition. So, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying before is, you know, you go down this list and a guy like McGrone for, for Michigan, like you mentioned, Jacob, I mean, you know, he's not even being talked about in probably the fourth or fifth round, but he's a, you know, a high quality player from a big program, and he, he he made plays and he you know he he has stats to back it up and you look at some of these other guys you know we're talking 2 3 year starters for major programs being talked about as like potential 4th to 6th round picks so you know in my opinion if we can't get those three top guys maybe hold off a little bit and fill some other holes. And maybe when you're looking at those two fourth round picks that the Packers have, that that might be a good utilization. Maybe even grab two of them in there because, you know, for linebackers, if they can not contribute right away, you know, that they'll go down and tackle on special teams. They'll, they'll be guys that can contribute in other ways. And, you know, if they can develop into starters, great. It's, It's fantastic.
3: That's all well and good, but they're not going to have any fourth round picks, and we'll get to that on next week's show uh, when we have we have our day one prediction show next week. Uh, because as you listen, one week from today is the NFL draft, so we'll be recording next week, the night before the draft. Maybe we'll have some intel by then. Maybe we'll know a few things. Maybe they'll have traded up to number one to draft Trevor Lawrence. Who knows by this point? But I, like that. I would, I would be stunned if I don't think Jacksonville would trade that pick for. Any, anything, honestly, I, I really don't know what it would take, but we can talk about that later on next week is day one. Uh, the Packers will pick 29th overall, allegedly, at least that's where they're slotted to pick right now. Uh, but I, I have my thoughts on that. So the Packers will pick then and we will be back next week talking about that. That's going to do it though, for this edition. Thank you guys. Be sure to check out at Packaday podcast. On Twitter and follow along for everybody that's doing a lot of great stuff on the show in terms of draft previews. Uh, we again, like I mentioned, are back next Thursday talking about day one. Tomorrow, you have Andrew Mertig, Kyle Fellows, and Maggie Loney. So, one smart woman, and you know, two other guys that are just kind of there. So, you know whatever works on that, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf and find just about anything. As far as my work goes there, Packer report came on Wisconsin, just about anything going on there. You can find Rob.
2: Uh, I'm at NFL draft Riggs on Twitter, and I'm going to be making my uh, annual uh, radio debut. Uh, I'm going to be uh Uh, on the Drew and KB show tomorrow evening uh, will be my debut for 2021 uh, talking about the Packers draft and that'll be at six 20 central time will be the time where they'll do some draft coverage and I'll probably be on most days uh, from now through the draft um, on that show. I got in touch with the the producer earlier. So, so we're, we're good to go for tomorrow night. So tune in 97, three, the game.
3: Some exciting stuff there. And tomorrow we have an open bar, as they would say. So, Eli, what do we got going on tomorrow?
4: Yeah, tomorrow we do have an open bar uh, on Open Book, our weekly show on Game on Wisconsin. We will be joining forces with Lombardi's Bar to create Open Bar. There will be some competition-based games going on. It will probably lead to violence, profanity, and lifelong feuds. So you're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be tomorrow at 630. Like every Thursday, open book at 630. You can find all my writing at Packer Report. And you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL, where you'll find just about everything else. And um, that's, that's just about it for me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing Rob on the radio starting tomorrow night. It's big stuff.
3: Yeah, looking forward to that as well. I'll be sure to check that out tomorrow night, Rob. Be sure to give me a bit of a reminder. I have a baby brain, so that's <laughs> that, you know, that kind of brings things in and out a little bit here. And then Eli, of course, as soon as the Packers make their selection next week, Eli is going to have a, a video thread of some things that this guy, whoever it is, can do, whether it's Zayvon Collins or Rashad Bateman or Greg Newsom or J.C. Horn, if they trade all the way up to get it, just oh, look, whoever I,
4: it is. I will say this. Last year I said the same thing. But I was not expecting Jordan Love, so it it did take me a couple minutes to get my thread up there. Hopefully this year they pick one of the many, many, many guys I've already prepared for and don't completely shock me. But yeah, look forward to next Thursday night Uh, on my Twitter page. I should have plenty of uh, film and highlights of anyone that ends up on the Packers.
3: Looking forward to that. Looking forward to day one, day two, and of course, day three of the NFL draft. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Here is to 1,000 more. Thank you guys for listening and see you next week.